0: The text for this, the message this morning is uh, Zephaniah, starting at chapter 2, verse 4. Previously, we looked at the first chapter, Zephaniah, chapter 1, verse 1 to 2, verse 3. So we'll continue on with this prophecy. Last time we recognized how Christ bore the burden of God's anger against sin as a promise for us. Zephaniah 2, verse 4. It's page 789. Hear the word of the Lord. For Gaza shall be deserted and Ashkelon shall become a desolation. Ashdod's people shall be driven out at noon, and Ekron shall be uprooted. Woe to you, inhabitants of the seacoast, you nation of the Karathites! The word of the Lord is against you, O Canaan, land of the Philistines, and I will destroy you until no inhabitant is left. And you, O seacoasts, shall be pastures with meadows for shepherds and folds for flocks, The sea coast shall become the possession of the remnant of the house of Judah, on which they shall graze, and in the houses of Ashkelon they shall lie down at evening, for the Lord their God will be mindful of them and restore their fortunes. I have heard the taunts of Moab and the revilings of the Ammonites, how they have taunted my people and made boasts against their territory." Therefore, as I live, declares the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, Moab shall become like Sodom, and the Ammonites like Gomorrah, a land possessed by nettles and salt pits and a waste forever. The remnant of my people shall plunder them, and the survivors of my nation shall possess them. This shall be their lot in return for their pride, because they taunted and boasted against the people of the Lord of hosts, The Lord will be awesome against them, for he will famish all the gods of the earth, and to him shall bow down each in its place all the lands of the nations. You also, O Cushites, shall be slain by my sword, and he will stretch out his hand against the north and destroy Assyria, and he will make Nineveh a desolation, a dry waste like the desert. Herds shall lie down in her midst, all kinds of beasts Even the owl and the hedgehog shall lodge in her capitals. A voice shall hoot in the window. Devastation will be on the threshold, for her cedar work will be laid bare. This is the exultant city that lived securely, that said in her heart, I am, and there is no one else. What a desolation she has become, a lair for wild beasts. Everyone who passes by her hisses and shakes his fist. Woe to her who is rebellious and defiled, the oppressing city. She listens to no voice. She accepts no correct correction. She does not trust in the Lord. She does not draw near to her God. Her officials within her are roaring lions. Her judges are evening wolves that leave nothing till the morning. Her prophets are fickle, treacherous men. Her priests profane what is holy. They do violence to the law. The Lord within her is righteous. He does no injustice. Every morning he shows forth his justice. Each dawn he does not fail. But the unjust knows no shame. I have cut off nations. Their battlements are in ruins. I have laid waste their streets so that no one walks in them. Their cities have been made desolate without a man. Without an inhabitant, I said, Surely you will fear me. You will accept correction. Then your dwelling would not be cut off according to all that I have appointed against you. But all the more they were eager to make all their deeds corrupt. Therefore wait for me, declares the Lord, for the day when I rise up to seize the prey. For my decision is to gather nations, to assemble kingdoms, to pour out upon them my indignation, all my burning anger, for in the fire of my jealousy all the earth shall be consumed. Beloved Church of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, although we are wise to ignore the various interpretations of events that we find on ideology-driven news providers, We cannot ignore that there are frightening things happening in the world today. Wars are happening. Dictatorships are crushing opposition with executions. Christians are paying for their faith with their livelihoods and their lives. Indeed, there's nothing new under the sun. From Adam and Eve to Zephaniah to Jesus and the apostles and all the way to the events described in the book of Revelation, We see the Lord needs to comfort His people because of the hardships they are facing because of their faith in Jesus Christ. And although we have had relative peace here in Canada, an Open Doors annual World Watch List report reveals that in 2021, 2021, right now, across 76 countries, more than 360 million Christians suffer high levels of persecution and discrimination for their faith. It's an increase of 20 million people since last year. Dr. Eveline Oshab writing in the Forbes magazine reported that one in seven Christian minorities are under threat in 2022. One in seven in 2022. In this article, Shab reports that in Afghanistan, right now Christians are hunted down and killed if they are men, or they are enslaved and imprisoned if they are women. The anti-reactionary thought law is used in North Korea to deport Christians and their families to labor camps as political criminals or even killed right on the spot. Al-Shabaab is hunting down or starving Christians in Somalia and in Libya, Nigeria, and Pakistan. After the Christian men are killed, the women are abducted and forcefully married and violated. In Iran, carrying a Bible or speaking of the Christian faith is punishable with long prison sentences. And the sad thing is that this is just some of the examples of persecution of Christians that is happening in 76 different countries right now while we go about our daily tasks. And brothers and sisters, when we read prophecies like the one in Zephaniah 2, we need to think about these Christian boys and girls it's Christian men and women, fathers, mothers, children, grandparents, brothers, sisters, neighbors, friends, members of the body of Christ with us who are being killed for their faith even as we sit here together. Sadly, when we live in peaceful times, we so easily become ignorant. We become complacent, calloused toward the suffering of fellow members of the body of Christ. Some people even feel bad when we sing psalms like Psalm 83, praying that God will put an end to the attacks of the enemies, as if it's more loving to not pray that God might stop the persecution, the persecutors from hitting and raping and starving and hunting and beheading members of our own spiritual family as if it's more loving not to pray that all the attempts of wicked people might be foiled. See, if one Christian suffers, we all suffer. When one in seven Christians live under a serious threat of violence for their faith, we are all living under that threat of violence. We are all praying to God together for perseverance when about 10 times the population of canada is suffering on account of christ's name while well, every single christian in the entire world needs to hear the comfort of the word of god that he revealed to his church as we also find it in our text this morning and i preach to you this gospel under the following theme that we have a word of comfort for christians who suffer on account of Christ's name. We could say it's a word of comfort for us who are suffering as the body of Christ. In order to understand Zephaniah's prophecy, what it means for us today, we need to understand that when Zephaniah was, was preaching, the church was at a stage in the history of redemption when the Lord was bringing salvation to the world through the one nation of Judah, through the Jewish people in the land of Judah in Palestine. And so the church was identified with a particular people and a particular place. And if people from another nation wanted to worship the Lord, they had to go to the temple in Jerusalem and express their trust in the Lord's means of salvation by joining in and offering sin offerings on the altar in anticipation of the coming promised Messiah who was to be born in the line of King David. With Israel punished and in exile at the time of this prophecy, Judah was the covenant people of God through whom the Lord was working salvation when Zephaniah was prophesying. And so all the nations around her who didn't join Judah in worship were in the category of the the not covenant people were covenant people of God, Judah, and they were not covenant people. The fact that they were outside the place of God's salvation was the common factor uniting the nations listed in, in Zephaniah chapter 2. And we, when you read through that, we read the names of several of the cities of, of the Philistines. We read of the Carthites who lived in the north of on the seacoast and of the Cushites, and we read of Moab and Ammon and Assyria. The common factor of them all was that they were not worshiping the Lord. They were also united with the unfaithful in Judah, who were condemned to bear the curses of the covenant that were described in the first chapter. So Zephaniah's message in our text today is directed to the nations around Judea and to the faithful, unfaithful covenant children in Judah who were mistreating the remnant, the church of God. And so when we read the names of the cities of peoples who dwelt to the west, it's the Philistines, and to the, to the east, the Moabites and the Ammonites, and to the south, the Cushites, and to the north, Assyria, we need to understand that the Lord is speaking of all the people around the church who worship other gods and are not a part of God's covenant and his church. And when God utters a judgment of woe in chapter 3 verse 1 against the unfaithful in Judah, we need to understand that he is also condemning covenant children today who are not truly a part of the the remnant, who actually trusted in the Lord and drew near to the Lord. Zephaniah 3 verse 2. The distinction between the church and the rest of the world in the Old Testament, it continues today, but since Christ fulfilled the temple and the sacrifices so that Judah no longer has a unique place as the only country, through whom people could draw near to the Lord, today the lines of division between the church and the rest of the world, they fall in in different places. Since Christ is now the foundation of the church and He stands in heaven before the Father and is accessible to all nations and all peoples and all tongues all over the world, The church is no longer defined along the lines of race and nationality. Rather, members of the church are defined by their faith in Jesus Christ, whether or not they were born to believing parents in in whatever country in the world they, they live in. This change in the way that God gathers His church means that we have to read Zephaniah's prophecy as teaching us more than about what God did to the Philistines, or the Moabites, or the Ammonites, or the Assyrians in the Old Testament. As Paul explains in Galatians 3 verse 28, in Christ, the distinction between Jew and Gentile falls away. Since Christ's victory, a Philistine is not outside the church just because he is a Philistine, but only if he persists in rejecting Christ. The same can be said for Canadians or any other nationality, and even about slaves and free, male and female, since, as Galatians says, all who belong to Christ have become Abraham's offspring. They have become heirs according to the promise. In the same way, people are not enemies of the church just because they belong to a particular country where there is persecution, but only because they are defying the creator of heaven and earth and his son Jesus Christ. And so when we apply the prophecy of Zephaniah to our own lives, or when we continue to sing about all the different countries that are being punished by God in Psalm 60 or Psalm 83 or Psalms like that, Or when we read the significant portions of the Old Testament that have prophecies against the nations of the world, the unbelieving nations. In Isaiah, it's chapters 13 to 23. In Jeremiah, chapters 46 to 51. In Ezekiel, chapters 25 to uh, 32. Uh, In Obadiah and Nahum. We need to understand that the Lord in all these prophecies is speaking against all different kinds of people in all times and places who are not united to Jesus Christ by true faith. And so reading the Scriptures, you can draw an equal sign between the kings of the earth in Psalm 2, the goats in Matthew 25, the Babylon of Revelation 18 and 19, the hypocrites and unbelievers of the apostolic letters, the unbelievers who persist in their same kinds of sins who who live among the covenant people today, and those pagan nations that we read about in Zephaniah 2 that the Lord promises to destroy in the Old Testament prophecies. Zephaniah 2 is, is spoken to us in the context that the church stands apart from the rest of the world not because of race or lineage, but because of their faith in the triune God, their desire to worship Him with their entire life. And so we look at that and we think, where where do we fit in? Where do I belong on this world scene that also spans history from the beginning to the end? With whom am I associated? Well, the beautiful thing that remains with us as an everlasting comfort in all our tribulations and in in all our temptations. The thing we need to think about even as we think of, of all those persecuted brothers and sisters is that there is a church that God has called out of the world and that He promises to grant this church salvation in Jesus Christ. In the Old Testament, the Lord reveals His saving grace through Judah, the temple, and the sacrifices. But now, in the New Testament, we may know the Savior Jesus Christ to whom all those buildings and types and rituals in the Old Testament were pointing. The Gospel message is that this church, which includes everyone here today who believes in Jesus Christ, that church that includes every one of our brothers and sisters who face death for their faith, that is, the church is being gathered and defended and preserved from King Jesus Christ, taking believers from all nations and all peoples in the earth. In the big picture of, of, of Zephaniah and, every, and, and Revelation, everyone who believes in Jesus Christ from any nation and any economic or social background can identify themselves in our text together with the faithful in Judah, as members of Christ's church that are set apart from the world. Although we may suffer for our faith, and we may feel very small and insignificant in the powers of this world and in the midst of the battalions of the evil one, we may know that the Lord who is with us is righteous. Zephaniah 3, verse 5. He does know injustice the church is set apart from the world because the lord himself is with her he is on our side he shows forth his justice we including all our persecuted brothers and sisters are the bride of the eternal king of heaven and earth who has conquered like we saw in revelation 3 verse 21 the display text We may rejoice in His promise of justice. We may rejoice in His jealous love for everyone who believes in Him. There will be justice. There will be vindication. Zephaniah tells us. The Lord tells us. We will be protected and preserved so we can spend eternity in fellowship with the God we are giving our lives to worship today. We may know about the sovereign rule of the Lord. When we read the text today, Zephaniah chapter two, we may know about his sovereign rule. As it was in Zephaniah's day, also today the message is given to the church while she is suffering, so that they may know that the God they worship and live they may know the God they worship, and they may live in the understanding of of His sovereign power and His holiness and His justice and His righteousness and His mercy to undeserving sinners. As in Zephaniah 2, as in all the prophecies that you read in the Old Testament against the nations, the Lord reveals that He is a sovereign God who is over all the earth. And He knows about everything that is happening on the earth. When we are reading through that, Zephaniah he explains that in the same way that the Lord knew about the sins of the Philistines and the Cushites. And in the same way that the Lord knew about how the people of Moab and Ammon taunted and boasted against the, the Lord of hosts. The people of the Lord of hosts, Zephaniah 2 verse 10 in the same way that the Lord knew about that proud feeling of security that the Assyrians and the Ninevites felt in their hearts, chapter 2, verse 15, He also knows about the persecution of Christians that is taking place all over the world today. He knows about the proud thoughts of the rulers of successful nations in every Corner of the globe as they, they live in their contemptuous with their contemptuous attitude of God's people. He knows of the apostasy of the unfaithful covenant people of God. He knows about the hypocrisy of, of people who call themselves Christians but secretly persist in their sins. The Lord is sovereign. He sees it all. And whether a person is a defiant tyrant, persecuting the church, or a shameless hypocrite hiding their sins from their spouse or their children or their friends or their fellow church members, God is sovereign. He sees what is living in the hearts of all. Zephaniah reveals this in his prophecy in chapter 3 verses 1 to 4 when he lists all the things that, that the Lord can see. He can see right in the hearts and the lives of the prophets who are fickle and treacherous. He could see that the people are not trusting in him. He sees that that, that he comforts his church, that he will show forth his justice. This prophecy of Zephaniah 2 also teaches us that our sovereign, holy God and King will not allow disobedience and apostasy to go unpunished. People don't get a free pass from the demands of the law just because they have chosen to suppress the truth in unrighteousness. And everyone is accountable for all their actions before the great judge in heaven. And then the attraction of all the world is offering, it quickly fades away when we remember what God has revealed about what will happen to everyone who does not humbly seek shelter in the righteousness of Christ. We sang about that in Psalm 73. Elaborating on the warnings in the previous section of this prophecy, Zephaniah gives a picture of what the world will look like after the Lord has punished his enemies. And the picture reminds us of the dystopian books that have been popular in the last decade. Large cities that were made famous by their trade and wealth will be destroyed and lie deserted. They will be as lifeless as Sodom and Gomorrah, which remain nothing more than nettles, salt pits, and waste forever. If anyone wants to know what will happen to those who persist in their sins against the Lord, they only have to go to the Dead Sea. And Zephaniah says that the great city of Nineveh that had swallowed up the northern kingdom of Israel when he said that that city would be a desolation and and ruins would be inhabited by owls hooting in the windows and and wild beasts making den in the rubble. The reference to Nineveh today, we need to think of a city like New York or a city like Edmonton now as, as a pile of ruins, little animals scurrying around. It's almost impossible to imagine that this might happen until we remember that the earth is filled with the, so, with the with the ruins of so-called great civilizations that once thrived on the earth. And so, when we get to Zephaniah three verse six, the people hearing Zephaniah's prophecies, prophecy were reminded that the Lord has done this before. And so whether the people hearing the prophecy would remember Assyria's defeat of Israel and the surrounding nations or the destruction of Egypt, the Lord wanted His people to remember the display of His sovereign power in the past so that they would not doubt what He would do in the future. And we can think today of even more nations destroyed that no longer are here, just a heap of ruins. We might read about them in an archaeological And then we need to see Zephaniah 3, verse 7. Even as we're thinking of these these ruined, destroyed civilizations, look at Zephaniah 3, verse 7. Do you see that? The Lord tells us to remember how he destroyed mighty kingdoms in the past so that we might fear him and accept correction before we suffer the same end and have our dwelling cut off. Looking at history and hearing God's word, we need to know that God can take out Canada or the United States or China or Russia or Britain or Korea or whatever country. We're foolish to try find security in the things of this earth. Do we hear how the Lord warns us through this prophet Zephaniah That in His sovereign plan, the only ones who will survive are the faithful remnant who trust in Him, who draw near to Him, who accept correction, who repent from their sins. Do you hear the the loving and the urgent voice of your merciful Father calling you as as though a wayward child, urging you to continually turn to Him in repentance and faith? Every day, the Lord announces the final destiny of those who tempt the church with the deceitfulness of wealth, those who humiliate the church with their proud taunting and boasting so that Christians are treated as inferior beings. The Lord warns those who directly attack the churches, God uses them as rods of punishment and discipline And although we might have trouble believing it's even possible, it is a fact. Zephaniah is declaring what the Lord has said. What will happen? It's a fact that our King Jesus Christ, who has already conquered, already spoke to us. In Revelation 17, verse 14, he comforts his church with the promise, they will make war on the Lamb, and the Lamb will conquer them, For he is Lord of lords and King of kings, and those with him are called and chosen and faithful. Then Revelation 18 and 19 go on to describe God's judgment of great cities, which he had already spoken of in Zephaniah, and the smoke from her goes up forever and ever. The Lord Jesus was not speaking figuratively in the Sermon on the Mount when he announced the fulfillment of Psalm 37 verse 11, that the meek will inherit the earth. The word of comfort for us in all our suffering. Standing behind the Lord's announcement to defend justice and truth in all the world through the punishment of the wicked, both within and outside the covenant people of God, is His promise, the sovereign Lord's promise, to vindicate His bride, to reveal to all the earth that His church is His prized possession and we may look forward to eternal peace with him. In Zephaniah chapter 2, verses 7 and 9, you can see that the prophet speaks of a different outcome for the remnant of the house of Judah. This remnant is a reference to all those among the people of God who remained faithful to the Lord, who held to their faith in the midst of the most severe persecution who continue to turn to Him for the forgiveness of their sins. And in the midst of the dystopian-like destruction of the entire world, the Lord promises to be mindful of His remnant and to restore their fortunes. When the cities are destroyed and laid bare, the seacoast will serve as pastures and meadows for the people of God. And the land that once belonged to the Ammonites will be given to the people of the, uh, of the people of God. The Lord tells both his enemies and His church in Zephaniah three verse eight, to wait for Him. Let the persecuted and the suffering and the weary church of faithful believers pay attention. One day, the fire of his jealousy, his jealous love for his church will be revealed. And all Christ's and our enemies will be destroyed and only the church will be left. Jesus' words remain, the meek will inherit the earth. Well, the New Testament ends a lot like the Old Testament ends with a message of comfort for the church that was suffering because of lukewarm believers who were giving in to the temptations of the world and because of persecution that came on account of of the name of Jesus Christ. The small-scale prophecy of Zephaniah to a particular group of believers in Judah is connected to the eternal reality of the church of which we continue to be members. And brothers and sisters, whatever you may be experiencing in your heart today, and brothers and sisters all over the world, whatever you may be facing today, You can know that there is a sovereign God who sees all things, who knows all things, who stands up in His justice and is powerful to save. Not one of His promises will fall to the ground. Zephaniah 2, verse 4 to 3, verse 8 becomes very important to us when we are concerned about what is happening in the world and, and what next week or next year will look, for, uh, look like for us. As we look at Russia and Ukraine and China and Korea and Iran and Africa and South America and Europe and the United States and, and Canada and in the midst of this, a, a little church. In each of these places and many more that I have listed, the church is surrounded by hostiles. The evil one is attacking, surrounded by taunters and by tempters. But the gates of hell will not prevail against the church that is built on the foundation of Jesus Christ. It's the declaration of the Word of God. This gathering of the nations that we read about in Zephaniah's prophecy reminds us of the trial described in Revelation 20. God tells us to wait for it Wait for it. Wait for when the Son of God returns in the clouds because that day of judgment will be final and decisive. And as we hear that today, even even this very moment, we pray that this prophecy may serve as a warning to those of us who are persisting in sins, maybe in secret and in hypocrisy. And all those who are harming others by our lack of love, But may it serve as a wonderful comfort for everyone here today who turns to Jesus Christ, who believes in Him, and who wants to worship the Lord forever and ever. The promise is you will not be hindered in this desire to worship God by sin for there is forgiveness of sin. You will not be stopped even though you're taunted, even though you may be killed for your faith. And the day will come when everyone will see that you are a citizen of a kingdom of heaven that cannot be shaken, a kingdom that will never end. The evil one cannot win, the Lord has told us. Our Savior reigns on his throne as an eternal king. And one day, he will drink the wine new with us in the kingdom of his Father. At the great marriage feast revelation 19 verse 7 describes that in the new heaven in the new earth he will dwell with us and we will be his people even as we are today god himself will be with us as our god even as he is today may we strive on in patient endurance and perseverance faithful and obedient until the day The king welcomes everyone who has conquered and overcome into his peace and glory. Amen.